Welcome to the Insurance Marketing Organization Podcast, where financial services marketing expert Seth Green interviews IMO experts, executives, and top producers to share can't-miss tips on how they successfully manage their IMOs, grow their businesses, create great relationships, and influence the industry. And now, here's your host, Seth Green. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be interviewing Mark Willis of Lake Growth Financial. Mark is a certified financial planner, a three-time number one best-selling author, and the owner of Lake Growth Financial Services, a financial firm in Chicago. Over the years, he's helped thousands of his clients take back control of their financial future and build their businesses with proven tax-efficient financial solutions. He is also the host of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. Mark, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, my pleasure, Seth. Glad to be on. Glad to have you. Let's go back in time a little bit. How did you get started? Well, there's a going further back than you might want me to go. Uh, as a five-year-old, I had a little money in a paper bag and uh, my mom decided it was time for me to really uh, get around the banking industry and start my checking account. So I went to the bank with her and we deposited that $50 into a checking account. Now, what that means to an adult is very different than what it means to a five-year-old because for the five-year-old, it's sort of like handing your life savings, everything that you've worked for, all those those, uh, allowance monies are now in the hands of a complete stranger. And you now must trust this guy called a banker uh, that he's going to keep your money safe. Uh, Now, little did I know how spot on that little five-year-old brain of mine was at the time that banks are not exactly the safest place to keep cash. Uh, But nevertheless, um, that's sort of the origins of of money for me. As uh, fast forward a few years, I get into six figures of student loan debt uh, just because that's what the cool kids were doing uh, in college and graduated in 2008 with uh, no real plan to pay it off and no job because not a lot of people hiring in 2008. Uh, so started off on the right foot, I'd say, Seth, um, but quickly got focused on finance, quickly got focused on my own personal financial journey and got very interested very quickly in helping others. And so we started the firm Lake Growth Financial as a result. Okay. I know the longer version's in the book, one of the books. So obviously we'll tell folks to go get your books um, later on in the episode. So you are, we'll talk a little bit about your personal financial philosophies and then how you're working with other advisors in the industry. So you're a little bit controversial, right? You said banks aren't a safe place to keep your money. Tell us a little bit about some of your contrarian ideas. We obviously want people to go get the books. Don't give them all the secret sauce, but we need to tease them just a little bit. Sure. Well, uh, I do think as advisors, uh, we need something that stands out from the crowd and it has to come from the heart. I think every... um, you know, if, if you're going to have a, a successful business as a, as a financial professional, you need to be positively polarizing, positively polarizing. There's plenty of negative polarization on the news, but positively polarizing is, is something to the effect of, hey, there is a, a problem with the way that you've been taught money works. Uh, put it all in the 401k. Well, where is that written? You know, put it all in the stock market. Well, you know, on what tablets of stone was that inscribed? You know, it's it's funny. The four hundred one k is so young, Seth. It's not even old enough to retire yet. Uh, so, with these sort of kind of average ways of doing something, you need to be not so average. So, we started the podcast, not your average financial podcast, to speak against the headwinds coming at us at three hundred miles an hour to say something uh, to the average consumer that's different, that shakes them and wakes them up a little bit. And so, yeah, I'd say uh, banks. 
uh, can be, and certainly have been for a lot of the clients I've met, are the biggest wealth uh, suckers uh, off of the backs of the average American, Canadian, whatever. Uh, and and I, I really don't care as much what your 401k says. I don't care what your rate of return on your mutual funds were. I'm more interested in how are you making major purchases? Are you becoming the banker in your own personal life? That seems to be, to me, the smallest hinge that can swing the biggest door in your client's financial life. All right, let's talk about that. Let's break that down just a little bit. So you say banks aren't a safe place to hold your money. Why is that? And then we'll talk about the alternative. Sure. Well, you know, let's say, Seth, you got 10 grand in your pocket and you go to the bank and deposit that money. You deposit that money. Now, what happens? It goes through that little tube and goes to the bank. And so now that is technically their asset. You are a creditor of that bank, technically speaking. Now, what does the bank do with that money? Once they have it in their hands, do they just put it in a vault and write Seth's name on a shoebox you know, full of money? No, of course not. They're going to loan it to me. I'm the guy behind you in line. I need a loan. Uh, and they're allowed, uh, as of Corona date, 2020, they can loan out 100% of your 10,000 bucks. 100%. That is FDIC insured safe money? I don't think so. Because what am I doing? I walk right back in the door once they give me a loan, right? They are paying you a whopping 0.1% interest for your deposit. And then they charge me whatever, 5, 10, 20% for my business loan or credit card. Now, what do I do with money when I get a bank loan? Where's the only place I can put it? Back in a bank account, right? What do they do with it with my deposit? They loan it out to the guy behind me in line. And they can do this as many as 18 times. This is known as fractional reserve banking. And this is the safe place to keep our money. Otherwise, as my 14-year-old son says, isn't that a pyramid scheme? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, he's spot on. I think kids sometimes can see truth more than us adults can because we they've not been swimming in the uh, in the sewer as long, right? Uh, So there's got to be a better way to do this thing called banking. And to be honest, banking has existed for thousands of years. There's a great book by David Graeber called uh, Debt, The First 5,000 Years, Seth. And so if banking has existed before all this, all these shenanigans of modern banking, how can we reclaim the banking function at the you and me level? You know, how can we become our own source of financing and those for those that, that need it, our family members, our, our business uh, colleagues and more. So if banking is... Um, the problem, I would say self-banking is the solution, but we have to find true time-tested strategies that let us bank on ourselves and take back that control that the banks have taken away from us. So how do I become my own banker? That's I'm a, certainly not loaning it out 90, 18 times. Yep. <laughs> well, as, as long as you've got a hundred million dollars and right. a bank charter, you can start your own bank. There you go, Seth. <laughs> Show's over. Or you can set up uh, a little known variation of a whole life insurance contract known as a bank on yourself designed whole life policy. Those whole life policies that have been around for 200 plus years, if you modernize them for uh, the cash flow management strategies that we talk about uh, through our firm and through uh, our podcast, you can use the equity, the cash value of your whole life policy to access that money for major purchases. I was just working with someone. He's got a $60,000 a year tax bill. Okay. Earlier today, I was just talking to him for the next eight years, 10 years, he's doing a Roth conversion of a pretty large sum of money. And he's going to owe 60 grand for the next eight years. He's pretty convinced of that. Now, where should he pull money to pay those taxes? He's got a few choices. He can take it from his IRA money and he's got less money. Yep. Pay more taxes. He can pay cash to the IRS 
But what if he borrowed against his life insurance policy, paid for the tax bill, okay? And because it's a bank on yourself designed policy, he borrows against the policy, but it continues to grow without interruption on the entire amount, even the amount he borrowed to pay his taxes. Uh, I do this. A lot of our clients do this. It's not for everybody, but it's certainly a better way than paying cash for your cars, your tax bill, your real estate investments. So this is what we mean by positively polarizing. We're making a clear and compelling statement uh, to our audience that says that sort of wakes them up. It's almost like the red pill and, and Neo in the matrix. Once you hear that you can become your own banker, you cannot unhear that. Uh, it's like the green code goes over your eyes and now you can see the matrix everywhere you go. You can see how banks are ripping off the average American. The average American, according to the US Commerce Bureau, Seth, spends 37% of her income or his income uh, on debt payments, 37%. So if 37% is, if time is money, what is 37% of your day? Just gone to a bank. Working so for the can, man. We're just working for the man. Yeah. Throw taxes on top of that. That's half our day gone uh, before we're even making a little money for you, me, and the family. So again, by having a strategy that's more than just, hey, you know, I'm just the next brokerage account guy helping you with your investment funds, your brokerage account, say something to your clients that gets them to say, wow, whatever this advisor just said, I need more of that. And I'm ready to go, whatever it takes to, to find out. I must know more and implement that in my life. That's That's been the, the privilege we've had with the clients we work with across the country. All right. Awesome. Awesome concept. Obviously, you know, we're big proponents of that here. What inspired you to talk a little bit about the three books that you've written? Mm-hmm. Yep. Sure. Yeah. The books, uh, what inspired me was just great partners. You know, I think the secret to writing good books is just having a great co-author. Uh, so the first book was with Pamela Yellen, the founder of Bank on Yourself and a few other Bank on Yourself professionals. The next was a book I wrote with um, Danny Stock, who's an absolute legend in the e-commerce space. Uh, he, he and I wrote the book, How to Become an Amazon Legend and Fire Your Banker. Uh, great strategies on buying your inventory with this strategy of Bank on Yourself, uh, You know, because a lot of e-commerce business owners need inventory. Great way to make a, a purchase for your inventory. And then finally, I wrote a book. Uh, thankfully, uh, they snuck me in. It was called Real Estate Investing for Women, uh, but I apparently am I'm not a woman, uh, but they still let me co-author the book, which was, uh, <laughs> which was a great move and a uh, gift that they let me do that. So uh, those books are all available on my Amazon author page. Awesome. Now talk a little bit about how you're working with financial advisors now. Yeah. We've created a membership site, uh, which uh, we'd be happy to talk with your uh, audience about. It's a membership site that involves uh, the whole person. It gets uh, not just lectures and online courses and stuff that you can hear on YouTube, but we're actually implementing a strategy to ignite a, a running track for you where you can step in at any level, whether you're a brand new novice or a seasoned pro in your practice. Uh, and we're giving you week by week, month by month, year by year strategies for lead generation, for marketing strategies, for referral strategies, ongoing service strategies, ways to do joint ventures and start in some storms with the people that you care about the most and uh, influencers who can help influence your industry. Uh, this goes right down to what tools to use and what to say to folks when you're brand new. When someone says to you, Seth, hey, what do you do? You have to have an answer for that question, right? Uh, so right from the start, we help you get started, ignite your, your practice so that you've got at least four clients in eight weeks and, and go and grow from there to seven figures like um, my firm has been able to do, thankfully, uh, and many others that we've trained has been able to do as well. That's 
an absolutely awesome resource. And we'll make sure to put links to your stuff in the show notes so people can find it. What are some of the biggest misconceptions you think advisors have about taking their practice to the next level? You know, I, I think the the most preconceived notion is that you can just wait for leads and that you can just wait for leads to be dropped in your lap. And there's a, there's a greener pasture out there and there's always better leads and you can go chase them down. If you just know, you know, the right price and you know, the right uh, IMO to join or whatever, it's, it's not about that. You're not going to be satisfying because the only reason why the grass is greener on the other side, Seth, is because the other guy is paying attention and he's watering it. That is why the grass is greener. So pay attention to your own yard and uh, water your grass. It's like the old acre of diamonds concept, you know, that we've all heard, you know, it's, it's paying attention and, and nurturing and watering your own grass. That's what makes the grass greener on your side. I love the analogy. Um, you talked a little bit earlier about the podcast. Why'd you start it? Well, we were, you know, I guess out of laziness is one way to put it. <laughs> uh, when you explain some counterintuitive, controversial strategies to clients, uh, oftentimes they want you to say it again, or they want you to write it out, or or you hear the same question over and over again. And so rather than me repeat myself over and over again, I got lazy and I just said, hey, let me think about this one more time and think about it carefully and, and really put some thought into it, some spreadsheets, whatever, and put it out there for the general public so I can always have access to that. Uh, like how do policy loans work? Hey, how does this thing grow on a guaranteed basis? Hey, how are whole life policies tax-free? If you do it right, how can we access the money tax-free? What about other strategies uh, that, that we offer through our firm besides whole life insurance? We wanted to be able to put a kind of a library of resources for prospects and also clients to be able to access those and learn more about you know, what, what we're up to. Awesome. And your passion is obvious. What do you like best about what you're doing? You know, well, it's, it's, it's um, you know, when you're a kid, you think all the fun is going to be over when you're an adult. Uh, but what I found is it's having the conversations like you and I are having right now that are just truly fun. And when you play well in the sandbox with other people, uh, play doesn't have to stop just because you, you know, uh, graduated high school, became an adult, whatever. You really have the opportunity in this business to create meaningful relationships, great, positive, profitable joint ventures, get to train other advisors like we've been privileged to do and watch people grow and meet their potential. I think the worst thing to write on a tombstone is, he had such potential. That's the worst thing. You know, the word potential sounds so good until it's on your tombstone. So I always say it's so cool getting to watch the people we train, meet their uh, objectives, meet their own potential. It's just such a rewarding experience. Absolutely. You are managing multiple successful businesses in addition to your personal life um, and your family. How do you balance it all? I think balance is probably the wrong word. You know, I think technically speaking, balance is just an overcorrection from the last mistake. That's what balance is. You think about it, you're just moving back and forth on the wire and you're overcorrecting the last mistake you made. So I kind of look at the metaphor of abundance more than balance. Uh, I want abundant, uh, an abundant marriage. I want abundant uh, parenting life. I want uh, great friendships. I want a great business. Uh, and I think if you can expand your bubble rather than try to balance you know, balance to me sort of means like pull in, get small abundance in every area of life, business, social, spiritual, health wise, uh, you can reach for bigger, greater, um, pieces. And again, you meet your potential when you uh, reach for abundance. That is 
a great answer. You're giving advice every day. What's the best advice you've ever received? Well, I think the <laughs> the best is when uh, someone pulled me aside and looked me in the eye and said, Mark, is it possible Dave Ramsey could be wrong about something? That was not exactly advice, but it was a great question because uh, it got me thinking critically. And that's the skill that you're supposed to be taught in college. Uh, but I never really put critical thinking skills to my finances. I just thought that Dave Ramsey was, you know, he had written the fifth gospel on money somehow. And, and all of his words came straight from the mouth of God or something like that. But when someone asked me, a great mentor of mine said, Mark, is it possible that Dave Ramsey could be wrong about something? I had to admit that he didn't have a corner on truth. So that's, if I can call that advice, I guess it was just helping me crack open my own closed mind. Absolutely. I think that's a great example. We will put a link, multiple links in the show notes to the books, the podcast, and that membership site for advisors. Um, This has been Seth Green with Mark Willis of Lake Growth Financial. Mark, we know your time's incredibly valuable. Thank you so much for spending some of it with us. Thank you. Thanks everybody for watching or listening, and we'll talk to you or see you next time.